as we are living in a world that's very divided, I, I don't think you can ignore that, that we, we're living in a time and an era where there seems to be great divides, not only around the world, but in our own country, not in, only in our own country, but in our own communities, sometimes even within our own churches. And so we've got to figure out a way to allow Jesus to continue to be the common denominator. And so I, I felt like it would be a good idea to touch on those very light and easy subjects of race, religion, and politics, right? Because those are what everybody loves to talk about. And, and so we're, we're going to be focusing on those over the next few weeks. Last week, we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan, and we saw how Jesus uh, teaches us that we are supposed to be people who look past people's race, that we care more about the individual than the color of their skin. And um, obviously, there's no way we could have anticipated everything that was going to go on in Minneapolis over the last week. And so we want to continue to pray that the church of Jesus Christ could rise up and, and be an exception to what's happening in this hour. That they could see us living lives of hope and of an ability to help people unite. And so I really want to encourage you, Minneapolis, St. Paul, they're our neighbors. So let's be lifting them up. Let's be lifting up the stuff that's going on. I can only imagine it's going to get worse as the trial drags on. And, and the different things that are revolving that and just the unrest over the shooting this last week. And so we want to we see God step in in a powerful way. And so let's be lifting them up in prayer. But this week we are looking at the idea of politics. And, and I'm sure as soon as we mention the word politics, there, there's something that rises up in you. I mean, I, at least if you're like a lot of people, I'm assuming there's a little bit of that in there somewhere. I mean, it reminds me of a story I once read about these uh, two gentlemen. Well, one, one gentleman, he, he was sitting at this park bench. He, he was an older guy sitting at a park bench, just enjoying a beautiful day out in the sun. And all of a sudden, uh, another elderly man comes walking along and he's uh, he looks down at the other guy, sits down at the park bench right next to him. They look at each other for just a second with just some tension, and then they both just stare forward. They sit there for a long time, and they don't say anything. Finally, the one, the newcomer, he, he, he just lets out this big sigh, to which the other guy jumps up off the park bench. If we're going to talk about politics, I'm out of here. And he runs off. And so... I, maybe you can relate. There's certain people, just, just when they breathe, you know something's going, political is going to come out of their mouth. And, 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 and we're living in a time. I, I, maybe you were asleep last year. I don't know. But, but it, it seemed like you couldn't talk about politics without making somebody mad. And, and, it, and it was all over the spectrum. And it's easy for us to think that you know, it's just something that's happening in our times. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know, I'm somebody, I don't really like getting into politics. I'll just be honest. It's not, it's not my favorite subject. I don't like dealing with it. I did beat up a congressman one time. Um, true story, I did. Uh, we were both six. And, and so, um, but he's now serving in, in the United States Congress, and I hope he forgot that I beat him up. But, <laughs> um, but, but anyway, um, but that, that's as, as radical as I've gotten on my political views, I think. But 
And obviously, that was nothing political when, when we got into our scuffle, but I did win. I'll just, I'll, I'll put that out in, ca- in case it ever comes up. <laughs> but, but I just, I, I, I think sometimes we lose a lot in the foolishness of it. But the truth is, it's nothing new. This is something that has been going on forever. Even during Jesus' own time, there were huge political conflicts. And, and it wasn't just the fact that there was these issues going on between the Jews and the Roman government. Obviously, those were heated things. There were, there were terrible things going on. But even amongst the Jewish people, there were these four distinct political groups. We, we read about them in the Bible, although we never see them as political. We, we get so used to reading them that we don't even know why they're even listed in our Bible. The, the Bible tells us about four distinct, well, at least three distinct groups. One's kind of hinted at. We, we're not really sure um, if they're, they're talking about this group specifically. But in the days of Jesus, there were four political groups. There were the Pharisees. And again, we look at them as religious, but they were also very political. And they would have been considered the, the conservative group amongst the Jewish people. They were all about preserving the traditions. They wanted to make sure that they kept the institutions all correct and that whatever happened with all of the occupations and all of the people coming from all these different areas, that we kept the Jewish people pure and we kept the nation of Israel pure. And then you had the Sadducees. And the Sadducees believed in a more inclusive government. And they believed in the idea of bringing people from all sorts of different groups. They believed in allowing the Jews who had, who had converted to Judaism as, as Greeks. They said, well, they should be involved in, in what's going on. And so they, were, they would have been the more liberal side of the spectrum. And then you had these, this group of people called the Herodians. And, and they believed in a political system. But, but they were more... I don't even know how to describe them. They, they wanted to see the empire continue, kind of like the Pharisees, but they didn't want it to go through the line of David. They wanted it to go through the line of Herod. And because of that, they were a little more loose towards kind of his sinful leanings. And then you have these groups called the Essenes. And, and that's the group that doesn't necessarily show up in the Bible, but, but they would have been more monastic and they were kind of the pure people. And they're like, we, we, just, we, we don't want to get involved in politics. That whole political thing, that's just kind of crazy. We're going to go off in the desert and we're going to, we're going to eat honey and we're going, to, we're going to write down on scrolls and we're going to protect the religious purity. And people believe that John the Baptist might have been one of those people. I mean... His lifestyle kind of hints that he might have been raised by the Essenes, and there's rabbinic history that says that he was, although we don't know that for certain. But so there were these four political groups that were going on right there. And the interesting thing is, when you see Jesus come on the scene, he made them all mad. It wasn't like Jesus fit into one of their parties perfectly. And I think what we have to be careful about is that when we see Jesus being lifted up today, especially amongst political people, 
that we, we find the parts of Jesus' teaching that we like, and, and we set that up and say, see, this proves that this party is right. But the problem is the other party's lifting up this side of, of who Jesus is. And no one's taking him for all that he is. And so today, I want to take some time and look at another story about another interesting character that intersects with Jesus. That he, he kind of helped to see that the political divide, the religious divides, what, whatever things that were going on in that moment, that Jesus cared more about the individual than he did about what political side that person was on. In, in building up the story, I, I want to suggest to you what would happen if Menominee became the site where one of our presidents decided to come and visit. I mean, it really wouldn't matter who the president was. I think most of us would want an opportunity to be at that gathering. I mean, even if, I'll just be honest, even if I disagreed with the person, I would want to be able to say, I was in the crowd the day ex-president decided to show up in Menominee. I would want to be able to tell people that. And, you know, I would hope I'd get a good seat. But even if I wouldn't get a good seat, I've proven in the past I'm willing to break into places if, if, I, if I feel like I can get closer. I, I broke into the Olympics. I don't, I don't, that's from a long time ago. But, but yeah, so I mean, so I, I'm willing to, to break, break some rules to get closer, to, to feel like I'm really a part of what's happening. But what if you were with me and we broke in and we got in close and all of a sudden that, that president came up to us and said, hey, I, I see you guys over there. Actually, I'm going to go over to your house today for, for lunch. I think most of us would take him up on that offer, right? I hope you would. I, I hope you would at least be willing enough to sit down and, and talk with somebody, even if you were on the political other side of the spectrum. Just, just have the... The ability to say, I had a president, a sitting president, in my, in my house for lunch. I, mean, that, I think that would be a cool idea. Well, that, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. There, we have this story in the book of Luke of a time where Jesus was going through the city of Jericho. And in that city, there were all sorts of people. There were, there were Pharisees. There were Sadducees, there were Herodians, there were maybe some Essenes. But also in that group, there was another subsection called tax collectors. And I made reference to this last week. Tax collectors were among the worst of the worst as far as the Jewish people were concerned. It didn't really matter what side of the political spectrum you were on, you all hated the tax collectors. Because the tax collectors were enforcing the political will of Rome. The tax collectors were stealing money from the Jewish people and then turning it over to Rome to continue to give them power to enslave and occupy their land. And so nobody liked the tax collectors. But one day Jesus is walking through. And when he does, one particular tax collector decides... I want to see this. I know I'm an outsider. I know I wouldn't be welcomed politically, even religiously, into this conversation. But I, I want to see this Jesus. 
And so we, we find his story in Luke chapter 19. And actually, why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word? Luke chapter 19, looking at verses 1 through 5. And this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that as we are gathered here today, we recognize our allegiances to you. That what you have changed in our lives requires that we live differently than the people around us. I pray that we would recognize that you have a message that transcends politics, but doesn't ignore them either. And so help us. Help us to understand how to live as people who live under the cross while still trying to do what we can to influence our society. I pray that you would teach us from your word that we'd be different because of what we learn here today and that we would better glorify you in all that we do as we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave to a person or two. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with us. I'll... If you're online, go ahead and throw something in the chat. Let us know you're here with us today. So, we are looking at this thing, talking about Jesus as he discusses politics. And, and so, what I want us to see in this little story about a little man. I mean, how many of you grew up singing that song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in the sycamore tree. Okay, that's enough. All right, uh, but, but, but he, it's this little story about this little guy who wanted to see Jesus. But politically, he was an outsider. Politically, he was someone who wouldn't have been invited into the party. And yet, when Jesus walks by, he looks up and he sees this man. I mean, you've you got to imagine the scene, how... how Crazy it had to have looked. Zacchaeus, as we already have read, was very wealthy. He was probably also very well known. There's, if he was the chief tax collector in that region, it means people knew who he was and they hated him. And so he was well known. He was someone who had the ability to... Uh, probably caused a lot of stir whenever he walked through town. There was probably a lot of spitting in his direction and people flinging curses at him. He, being wealthy, he was probably also dressed pretty nice. But here is this 
well-dressed, well-known man climbing up a tree. He gave up all of his dignity just to get a glimpse of Jesus. My question is, what are we willing to get up, give up just to get a glimpse of Jesus? I, mean, that, I wasn't even planning on saying that today. That, 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 that's extra. That, you got that for free. But, but, I mean, but the question is, that, I mean, what, what would we do? What we need to recognize when Jesus steps into this story, actually when he stepped into the whole story of the politics of the days of Israel, is that he was bringing about a whole new kingdom. The reason why he offended all these different people was because his kingdom was countercultural to what they were expecting. And so this morning, we need to recognize what it means to be a part of a kingdom. And we might need to shift the way we live because of that. First thing I want you to see this morning is that a kingdom, the kingdoms require loyalty. You can't be a part of a kingdom and not be loyal to what that kingdom represents. Otherwise, you're a traitor. And so... It's very important that if we're saying we are a part of a kingdom, we are a part of something that will require us to be loyal, will require us to give something of ourselves. We read there in verse 5 um, that when Jesus came by, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. And what was Zacchaeus' response? Nah. No, I, I don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. No, you, you're, you're of a different political party than me. You're, you're of a different regime than me. I, I don't know if I quite trust the kingdom you're trying to create. No, that's not what happened at all. In verse 6, we read, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. There wasn't a hesitation. He jumped down right away and he was willing to accept Jesus in. Even though, as I said, he would have been politically outside of anything that you would have assumed Jesus would have been a part of. He willingly chose to let Jesus in. And we've got to have that, that choice too. We have to choose to allow Jesus to affect our whole lives. That we're loyal to his kingdom above all other kingdoms. And that we choose what he says above even what political parties might say. And I know that's hard to distinguish sometimes, but it's what we need to do. I really love uh, what Napoleon Bonaparte said. He, he had some, for, for as crazy of a guy as he, they paint him to be in history, he had some amazing things to say about Jesus. And he, this is a condensed version of uh, one of the quotes I found that he said about Jesus. It says, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. A kingdom requires loyalty. Napoleon was honest to say, we require that 
loyalty by the, the strength of our own might. We created power and we crushed people who disagreed with us. That's how we grew, we grew these great empires. But Jesus founded his empire on love. And right now, millions would die for him because of their loyalty to that kingdom. So kingdoms require loyalty. The other thing that it's important for us to recognize is that kingdoms require life change. When Jesus came into Zacchaeus' life, he was inviting himself over to dinner, but he was also inviting Zacchaeus into the kingdom. He was inviting Zacchaeus to be a part of what God was doing in that moment, in that hour. And there seems to be evidence that Zacchaeus actually took him up on that. We read in verse 8 that it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. So here's this guy whose entire life was circled around cheating people and acquiring more wealth. All of a sudden, he's recognizing he's being called to a different kingdom. And he's saying, I'm going to give away what I have stolen. I'm going to make it right. And I'm going to live for this kingdom. I'm going to change my life. See, when we invite people into Christianity, when we invite people to follow Jesus, so often we, we paint it as a picture of just, just accept Jesus, give Him all of your junk, and He's going to make you perfect. But there's often very little spoken of of what it's going to require of you. I mean, we, we talk about salvation being a free gift, and it is. But it's a free gift that requires you to live differently. To not just accept your old way of living, your old way of thinking, and saying, well, now I have Jesus that I add to this. He's calling us to be radically different. Not only radically different from the way we were, but even radically different from the world around us. And so when we talk about political kingdoms and we talk about what's going on in the world around us, people need to see that we live different. And it's that life change that will start to make people ask questions. It's that life change that will make people go, what's different about you? Why, why, why do you handle the chaos around you differently than the rest of us do? And if we aren't willing to give people that ability to live that way, if we aren't calling people to live to change lives, we're never going to show the world around us that we are following a different kingdom. Which brings me to the last thing that a kingdom needs. A kingdom requires a Lord. I mean, it seems pretty self-evident that if you are going to be someone who is a part of a kingdom, you need a king, right? I mean, obviously, if you're in England, you, you, you can have a queen. But, but there has to be somebody. If you're calling this a kingdom... There has to be somebody at the top who gets to set the direction for that kingdom. Obviously for us, it's 
Christ. Christ is our king. He's the king above all kings. He is the ruler above all rulers. He is above all political parties. And so, we see that Jesus, as the king, is inviting someone who the rest of the kingdom didn't want in. He's inviting someone who the others are looking at and going, I don't think he belongs to this kingdom. As a matter of fact, you read it in verse 7. It says, when the the people were displeased, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. See, Jesus was willing to go to another party. He was willing to go to somebody who was different politically, religiously, ideology-wise. He was willing to enter into that person's home and invite him to be a part of the kingdom of God. And those who were a part of it didn't want anything to do with it. Those who assumed they knew what the kingdom was about thought Jesus didn't have that authority. But he's the king. And he gets to invite people in, whoever he wants. And this is Jesus' proclamation at that point. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He's saying, I came for people like this. I came for people who are politically different than you. I came for people who come from a different worldview as you. And if we all do this the right way, we're going to start living differently because of what Jesus has done in our hearts. We must be more committed to the kingdom of God rather than our own political kingdoms. We've got to choose to say, I'm going to live differently because I'm a part of the kingdom of God, than if I'm a part of this political system. And listen, I understand, we need political systems. From the very beginning, when God put Adam and Eve over creation, He created a political system. He said, I want you to go out, and I want you to cultivate the earth. It wasn't just... I want you to go and just enjoy the beauty around you. I want you to bring order to it. I I want you to cultivate the ground. I want you to cultivate the animals. I I want you to use the resources I put in in front of you to create something which created political systems. The rest of the Bible, you see political systems rising and falling. And God caring deeply about how people exercise their authority. But for us, we need to make sure that we are first a part of the kingdom of God and then secondly, a part of the political systems around us. And the problem is, oftentimes we get it flipped around. We get really concerned about the policies that are going on around us and we don't turn back on Christ and say, this is what we need to be leaning on right now. And it builds anxiety in us. And so I want to give you Last week I gave you some three really big ideas that are going to be hard to implement. I'm going to give you three really big ideas this week that are going to be hard to implement. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it in your own life because I believe each one of us has to wrestle with this individually. But I think we all need to wrestle with it. 
None of us can ignore it if we want to be people who live in a world where we are in the kingdom of God and in political realms. So the first thing, if you want to beat the anxiety that political parties and and the political fray cause, reach for opportunity. If you want to be a part of seeing our nation get better, look for opportunities to serve. A lot of people get really bent out of shape about political parties, about what policies are being enacted, and they love to sit around at diners with a coffee in their hand and, or Starbucks or, or wherever and moan and complain about the other side. And then they go home and they don't do anything differently. I think if we want to see real change happen, we need to look for opportunities to serve. We need to look for opportunities to say, if I really believe in this, then I'm going to be a part of that. I've mentioned this before. I am unashamedly pro-life. I I believe in the sanctity of human life. And I believe everything needs to be done to protect the unborn. But I don't want to just vote that way. I want to find opportunities to to serve that way. We've got a Options for Women facility here in our town that is dedicated not just to saving the lives of unborn children, but also protecting those children and their parents so that they can live lives in a healthy way after that child is born. And yet, for all of the people in our town that would say we believe in the rights of the unborn, that ministry is grossly underfunded, both financially, resource-wise, and with people. If we say we believe that as the church, or, or just as an individual, that needs to be one of the most well-funded things going on in our community. And if you don't believe in that, find something else that lines up with the heart of God and get involved there. Maybe you need to become a politician. I promise I won't beat you up. And, but but maybe, maybe you need to get involved some way. Find out what God would want you to do and live that out. Look for opportunities. Don't just grumble about what the other side's doing. Live differently because you believe passionately about what you believe. The other thing I think it's important that we got to reach across the aisle. It's hard for us to admit, but we need the other side. We need people who think differently than us. We need conservatives and we need liberals. I know that seems like heresy, but Jesus was inviting all of them in. If you look at the people he invited to become his followers, he had Pharisees, he had tax collectors, he had zealots, he had all sorts of people. He had people who were following John the Baptist. He had people who were following Herod. Matter of fact, one of the people who were part of Herod's household financed Jesus' ministry. Look it up. So we've got 
Jesus inviting people from all of these different spheres. We need each other. Now, obviously, I recognize either extreme gets crazy. And we've got to be careful. And that's why we need each other. We need to try to balance out the crazy. And recognizing where I live here in Wisconsin and, and in this community, most people would think, well, no. You know, if you do conservatism right, it, it turns out perfect. Really? Ask that to the Amish. I mean, to me, they're the picture of ultra-conservative values, right? They're not going to let anything come in to take them away from their conservative values. But they've long ago lost being an influence for God in our culture and in our times. But then obviously you get people who swing to the other direction and, and think that we all need to be like Burning Man and just go crazy and just do whatever we want and, and act however we want to be and, and just, you know, or just let the political or the, the entertainment industry do whatever they want and portray whatever they want on our screens and on our televisions. And it's okay, that's television. That, that's... We, we, can't, we can't let either extreme be there, but we need both. I mean, conservatism by its definition is saying we believe in protecting the establishments that have got us this far. That we, we want to hold up those standards and continue them forward. Liberalism just says, yes, but you are also neglecting these people. And, and unless we, we look at ways of allowing conservatism to merge with liberalism, people are going to be left behind. So we need to find ways of working with each other and reaching beyond the aisle and recognizing Jesus' calling is higher than our political calling. And then finally, we need to reach out to Jesus because I'm going to tell you, those two, first two are hard. And they're going to be hard to navigate, especially if we're not leaning on the Holy Spirit. If we're not letting Him determine for us how we ought to live. And so here's a couple of baby steps that can maybe help you start working toward one of these goals. We're just working towards trying to understand how Jesus wants you to live out your life. Memorize Luke 19 and verse 10. You might already have it memorized. It's a pretty common passage where Jesus says, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. And then Jesus said in the same, last week we learned, Jesus said in the same way that God has sent me, I'm sending you. So what does that mean about us? That we are sent to seek and save the lost. So then simply ask yourself, how well am I living this verse out? How well am I willing to put myself out so that other people know what I believe? So many people are willing to wear their political opinion on their sleeve and on their bumper and in their yard and on their Facebook page. We need to be really good at wearing Jesus on our sleeves. Matter of fact, we need to be really good at imitating Jesus so that the people around us want to see more of his influence coming in us and through us. And then this week, look for somebody to surprise. Maybe there's someone politically that you have issue with. 
and, and you don't get along very well. Bless them this week. Just out of nowhere, for no good reason. If they get mad at you, say, well, my pastor told me to do it. But, but I mean, just, just bless somebody this week. Find someone who thinks differently from you and bless them. And if you can't find them, find somebody else to bless. Let's be a people who recognize everything we've been given. We've been given to give away. That we weren't brought into this kingdom simply so that we could be royalty and enjoy all of the benefits of the kingdom. We were brought in this kingdom as ambassadors. As people who are called to take this out. And I think a simple way to do that is just to love on people. Find ways to bless them. Mow your neighbor's yard. I'm sure it's, getting, it's bugging you by now. Um, do something nice for the person in the aisle ahead of you. Pay for the people behind you at a drive through Do something to let the world see that you're living differently. I mean, we're not trying to earn our salvation. Zacchaeus didn't earn his salvation by giving away that money. He was proving that he was different. I'm not saying money is the only answer. Maybe you need to give of your time. Maybe you need to give of your attention. Maybe you do need to give of your money. Let's find a way to bless people this week. Let's find a way to let people know we're part of a different kingdom. We live differently than the world around us. And maybe, just maybe, that will give you opportunity to invite them into the kingdom as well. So, with that, I'm going to pray. Why don't we stand? We're going to sing one more song before we leave. Let's go out with an expectation that we're bringing the kingdom of God with us. That we are being loyal to what He has called us to do. That we're allowing our lives to be different and we're proving He's Lord by the way we love those around us. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank You. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for what You're doing in this hour. That is difficult as the things are around us. We together stand under the common denominator of your life, of your death, of your resurrection. We stand under the banner of Jesus Christ. God, this morning, I I pray that you would touch Minneapolis right now that you would cut through all of the tension that's going on in all of the Twin Cities area. I do pray that you would raise up men and women who will stand in the gap, who will lift up a righteous standard, who will engage politically in a way that will draw solutions, that will unite us under your love. I also pray that you would help us to find ways to reach across our political divides. That we would not look at the other side as enemies. That we would not look at the other side with disdain. But that we would recognize we all share a common story. 
All of us need you. That our self-righteousness will not heal this nation. Our advocacy will not heal this nation. Only you. Only your love poured out. And so I pray that we would find ways to allow our lives to be different because of what you've done in us. And that we would extend that love to as many people as we can. God, if there's anyone who's in this room, anyone who might be watching online and they don't know you, I pray that they would hear your call, the same call you gave out to Zacchaeus, that they would recognize the Holy Spirit is drawing them to you right now. And I pray that they would accept the invitation. Matter of fact, if that's you, if you recognize you need Jesus in your life, I pray that you would choose to invite him in that you would pray just a simple prayer. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray a prayer and you can use my words, you can use words from your own heart. But pray something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry that I've been chasing after the wrong kingdoms. Today I turn away from my old life and I turn after you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, uh, come talk with me after service. I would love to share with you and and help you have the resources you need to live a hope-filled life, to live a life full of who Jesus is. If you're online, click on the button on the online service or or send us an email or a Facebook message saying you prayed with us. We want to make sure you get the resources you need to be able to live after Jesus. For the rest of us, let's just go out and do it. Let's go out and look for people who need his love. Let's go out and look for ways to let the love of Jesus Christ shine through us. To let people know we belong to a different kingdom. That yeah, we care about social policies. Yeah, we care about who's the president. Matter of fact, we pray for him every day. But at the end of the day, our hope is not in this American dream. Our hope is in the one who died for us. Our hope is in our risen Lord and Savior. Let's go out and live that way this week. Jesus, I pray that as we step out of this room today, that you would bless us and you would protect us. Jesus, I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us and that every day we would walk in your favor and in your truth, in your peace as we pray this in your powerful name. Amen.